Well, I'm not going to say we'll catch up, but we'll definitely get the train on the tracks again. The spirit tracks. Spirit tracks. That's our next no, game. No, if, we if we're getting the train back on the spirit tracks, we're all fucked. Yeah. This is the last episode we'll ever record if we're getting on the spirit tracks. <laughs> yeah. We we need uh, someone who's proficient at Railroad Tycoon to come guide us. <laughs> yeah, please help us get our tracks assorted. Train simulator. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if Dan plays that one. I saw him playing Farm Simulator one time, so maybe. If it has simulator in the title, probably. Yeah. Waifu Simulator. Never gonna be as good as Euro Truck Simulator though. That game is surprisingly fun. I have no idea why. It's it's relaxing, it's satisfying, like it's kind it's like driving in games, I feel, is is always there's like a base level of satisfying if the controls feel alright and trucks function so differently, uh, that it's uh it's an interesting new challenge. But also it's not that challenging because you're just like driving down the freeway for a while. Just looking at yeah. the scenery and Don't forget to turn signals. Isn't yeah. that an eighteen wheeler racing game? No. <laughs> you may be thinking of big rigs over the road racing. No, uh, no, no. Truck simulator. You just race. That's all you do. Oh, I see. I see what you're yeah. saying. You are you are proposing the correct way to play this game, which the only way to play this game, Nick. You're educate yep. you're you know, don't give a bad education to our listeners. This is a pure a pure and simple racing game. <laughs> just get a mod <laughs> to turn the speed limiters off and just go nuts. No, the speed limiters are part of the game. It's like playing Mario Kart and selecting which CCs you're at. That, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. This is a good point. Just make the make yeah. the best of your sixty mile per hour cap. Euro Chuck Simulator is the same as Mario Kart. I said it first. It's controversial, I know, but you know it's out there. Garrett's a known fan of eighteen uh, wheeler American Pro Trucking. Uh, of course, I am. Yep, it's his favorite game. It's the mo- Monster Hunter of racing games. <laughs> well, okay, okay, now. All right, now we don't just throw that name around, okay. All right, friend. Don't you sully the good name of Monster Hunter? Yeah, with these you don't, eighteen wheels. I mean, I could say that an eighteen wheeler is smaller than a dragon, and that would be true, and that would be the only comparison I could make. What if they made a? Depending but it could be, on the dragon, it could be a Transformers Monster Hunter hybrid, where you have to fight trucks that transform into Decepticons, or like dragons transform into Arathalos. <laughs> that would be cool. It'd be sci-fi Monster Hunter. I'm totally down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this already off the rails slash 18 wheels episode of the Cohops podcast. Uh, This is episode 44. Uh, I am your host for this one, Nick, and I am joined as always by Zach. Hello. Hello. And hello. Hello. Choo choo. Getting on the Garrett train. Uh, Garrett, you chose the, uh, the beer for our episode, mm-hmm. and if you're not, uh, familiar with the show somehow, uh, every episode we feature a different beer that we're drinking throughout the episode and opining about. You know what else we often feature, when I remember it, is a joke, and I got one. <gasps> oh, you've got a dad oh, joke. Oh, the return of the dad joke. So, hey, Garrett. Yes, Zach. What do you call a guy with no shins? 
Uh, you know, Zach, I don't know. Tony. Ah, uh, like your toes are on your knees. I was thinking like thigh master or something to do with the other part of the leg. I like thigh master better. <laughs> it is me. I am the thigh master. Uh, it could just be a combo. It could be thigh master Tony. Oh, there you go. Like Funk Master Flex, but much worse. <laughs> Thigh Master Tony. <laughs> oh God. Uh yes. But yeah, so now now that we have our contractually obligated joke out of the way, uh Garrett, why don't you uh share with us what this beer that we are about to be drinking is? Well, this beer uh, of course caught my eye, uh if uh, if you're familiar with how I choose beer. Uh mainly because the can has two astronauts, um but instead of visors, they have human eyeballs. Um, and by eyeballs, I mean they have one apiece. Uh, and they're both cheersing kind of in space. It's very interesting. But what struck me the most was the name. It's called Cold IPA. It's, it's very clever. <laughs> when I opened the fridge and my <laughs> wife saw the can, she goes, that's the stupidest name I've ever seen for a It's beer. no Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> it just says cold 2022 cold IPA, but this is a collaboration between ecliptic and wayfinder brewing, uh, on their official description on their website. It says brewed with our friends at wayfinder beer. This cold India pale ale was brewed with Pilsner malt and lager yeast Pacific sunrise and talus hops support the clean crisp finish of on this collaboration. It's got an ABV of 8 and an IBU of 50. And I've never had this before. I saw it at Trader Joe's of all places in a four-pack of uh, tall cans and decided to share it with my friends. So, friends, what are your first impressions? It caught me way off guard. Like, the taste does not match the smell to me. But I didn't even... I'm a a horrible uh, beer taster and didn't even smell it first. But uh, I... Def- it's definitely more different from your average IPA than I expected. I, I can really taste the Pilsner yeast uh, in particular. Um, it tastes more like uh, a like a bitter Pilsner to me. Um, I'm also not super familiar with either of these types of hops, uh, so it's kind of fresh and different in that way too. Um, yeah, this is this is really good. It's uh, pretty different. Uh, I'm not familiar with exactly what a cold IPA is, other than it being this. But it's a cold. It's a cold IPA. Great. <laughs> just, You're just supposed to drink it cold. It's cold, like you know. It's got the mountains on the can that light up when it's cold enough. It's a cold IPA. No, no. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That, wrong hmm. beer, bud. Wrong beer. Oh, oh. No. We've been drinking the wrong thing <laughs> this not, whole time. We're not sponsored by Anheuser Busch. <laughs> <laughs> My mistake. We're, we're the one thing you that might be still isn't the face yeah. might be, but the podcast is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good though. It's, it is quite bitter up front, which is kind of weird. A lot of IPAs, you get the bitterness on the back end. Yeah. This one hits me right away. It's just, it, it tastes good, but it's just the first sip is just bam, bitter. And then the flavor comes. It's like backwards for me. 
S- says the man who loves Beak Breaker. No, I like it. I didn't say I didn't like it. I'm <laughs> no, just saying I'm not saying it's... you don't like it. You're like, man, <laughs> this one punches you in the face. I'm like, this is like the softest kitten paw, like no, batting no, no. you in the face compared uh, to the haymaker you get thrown when you drink. <laughs> They're very different. The the bitterness, uh, it just it teabags your taste buds a little bit right at the start. It yep. teabags your yep. taste buds. We, we all know Zach likes to be dominated by his beers. This is proving to be a fact, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I want my I want my beer to make me feel pain. Yeah, Zach noted beer sub. <laughs> <laughs> I should have saved oh, that man. for when you were drinking to get a spit take. Uh, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Everybody wins in that scenario. I don't. <laughs> I get beer all over my shit. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Zach, why don't you read this Beer Advocate review, um, even though apparently I wrote it. <laughs> the username is Nick SM, please. Yeah, I, uh, I, specific- I specifically picked it because it was short. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All the other sweet. ones were very long and douchey. Am I an insane person, or have we had something from this user before? We may have. It does look familiar but it's also my name so i'm way too lazy to go look through 43 other outlines to check but somebody let us know who has a better memory than i do somebody who has an ai or a lot of time please (laughs) it it might have been relatively recently because this this starts with the uh uh, canned one out of 25 rated two out of two (laughs) one out of 25 (laughs) <laughs> uh garrett you sourced this was there no uh score on beer advocate i'm assuming not because it's pretty new yeah no it has it has score oh of the beer like overall. the overall yeah whoopsies uh it was an 87 it's a very 87. good okay yeah yeah cool. it's not bad i forgot to add that but yeah 87 so this review is a 4.1 out of 5 from user nick sm please Canned, 125, rated 2-2. Light amber pour, a finger or two of froth for a head. Nose is mostly lager notes of yeast and light hops. The taste is lean. Hops at the first, then a finish that's dry and lingering malt flavor. A welcome diversion from the hops, hops, and more hops of many IPAs nowadays. Being this is probably a one-off, grab one if you see one. Yeah, now that I've taken the time to actually smell it, it is quite weedy on the nose. It didn't taste, it tastes different than it smells. I think it doesn't, (laughs) the smell does not relay what you're, you're in for. Well, with Pilsner malt and lager yeast together, like you're, you're getting a couple of different, a couple of different beers kind of mixed into one. And that's what this really tastes like to me is it's almost like. With wine, you know, you can get like a red blend. This would be, this is, this is a brown blend or a, I don't know. A brown blend. <laughs> that, that's like a terrible that. name. It's <laughs> an SRM 12 blend. Those are the rotten grapes. That, <laughs> they find them on the floor. Like <laughs> they make wine hot dogs out of them. <laughs> wine hot dogs. What the fuck? It's just oh. the, the leftover bits. <laughs> oh, oh, man. But yeah, I don't know. This this is like a it's like a blend. That's the mm-hmm. best way that I can describe it is it is an IPA in bitterness only and hoppiness only. But the full flavor is the high notes of a lager and the high notes of a pilsner 
together at the same time. It does taste. It tastes like a hoppy lager. I think that's mm-hmm. that's what I get. Yeah, and I like that. It's it's cool. It's different. This uh, is impressive, uh, especially like uh, we've talked recently about how some of these limited edition beers are not uh, not necessarily super great all the time um uh, or even necessarily consistent uh because they've had less time to refine the recipe but this is like totally unique and pretty refined like this this seems like something that they would have been working on for a while so i'm I'm impressed i've i don't know that i've had anything by wayfinder i've had stuff from ecliptic before and enjoyed it so yeah nothing Mm -hmm. from wayfinder that i know of but I've been into these collaborations like collaboration beers are cool because it's kind of like whatever they end up doing there in the moment, unless it's iterative, you know, every year they do this specific collaboration beer like this one says 2022. So I assume I didn't do any research, but I assume that they have like different annual batches and they change little things. So it's kind of an experience in the moment of time where they were making this specific beer and it's not this big you know, oh, every year during this quarter we make it. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's just cool. Like, it's a development of community that uh, different breweries are working with each other and not just competing with each other. They're, like, yeah. growing the beer market as a whole and the beer community as a whole, uh, which I think is pretty cool. So, like, yeah, if you're a Wayfinder fan or an Ecliptic fan, you might become a fan of the other. Bye drinking this i have a good question though if two breweries are brewing one beer instead of two breweries brewing their own beer does that mean that they make less beer no well oh so i i don't i don't think so because i think that the vats the same number of vats are going towards beer either way but this does make me curious on whose grounds are these uh collaborations brewed do they just like oh this one's brew- on ecliptic it's brewed at the ecliptic oh brewery. okay yeah. so they they just pick it's yeah, not like in portland Okay, blue brewed with our friends at Wayfinder Beer, yeah. but it is ecliptic primarily. Okay, yeah. that makes maybe, sense. Maybe they used the people from Wayfinder and ground them up. <laughs> maybe yep. that's what it, is. it was brewed it's with their like... friends. <laughs> it was a, a bold sacrifice, yeah. but we had to make it in the name of flavor. Well, John, you're part of this year's cold <laughs> IPA. Sorry, bud. <laughs> we'll send the severance to your mom. Why is their turnover <laughs> so high? I don't understand. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I mean, there are uh, there's a surplus of beer nerds in Portland, so you can get new brewers anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Chips on deck. <laughs> <laughs> in- indeed, chip will be the next great sacrifice to the yeah. the beer fountain. But on that extremely grim note, this is also a podcast about video games, uh, and with uh, with that in mind, I am going to. Pass it over to Garrett first, because uh, the stuff that he has to talk about is stuff that I also want to talk about. Well, it's just, you know, it's about a small game that may or may not have been announced that apparently nobody cares about, according to Zach. But we don't care about Zach's opinions, do we? No, we do not, because this game looks amazing. So, of course, we're talking about Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, uh, the expansion that's going to take the world by storm here in a couple weeks. 
And I, I've just been playing that, been trying to get up into the story so that I can uh, be ready for the expansion when it hits PC in a couple weeks. And uh, uh, I always choke. Gein Zaraki. Gein Zaraki. Wow. Got it. It, it always... Gein's Rocky uh, message. Oh, I may be, might be interested in playing. And so I immediately messaged them and, and was like, Hey, if you need a hunting partner, have I don't you heard care. Have like, good word play. of Rathalos? Exactly. Yes. Have you heard the good word of Rathalos? So uh, pretty excited. Got another hunter on deck uh, getting ready to play, which I've been playing a lot on my Steam Deck. So, uh, But yeah. really what I wanted to talk about and what most of us want to talk about, Zach, uh, is statistically, numerically, most of us <laughs> are interested in this game. Sixty-six point six six percent, to be exact. <laughs> Repeating, of course. <laughs> Repeating, of course. Yeah. Uh, is Street Fighter Six? Uh, we got some gameplay trailers. We got a lot more than what we were supposed to have because of some leaks. But mm, yeah, um, I couldn't resist. I figured out some of them and and then i was like okay i'm gonna stop here i don't want to know anymore but uh yeah street fighter 6 is going all the way back to last generation consoles so ps4 and xbox one it's going to be on everything except for switch wait really i didn't i didn't catch that i'm pretty sure it's not on switch well yeah Um, but um but the ps4 and xbox one that's wild yeah ps4 and xbox one all the way up you know through pc um PS5, Xbox Series, whatever, XS. But they showed gameplay. They showed uh, four fully modeled characters, two veterans, uh, Chen Li and Ryu, and then two newcomers, um, uh, Chad. What's his name? <laughs> are, are you thinking of Luke? Yeah, Luke. Because <laughs> okay, he's not technically Chad. a newcomer. <laughs> Chad, yeah, Chad. yeah, yeah. Chad, yes. uh, whose name is actually Luke, and then Jamie, who's Wasn't like he a, in five a though, drunken martial artist. We don't count that. Oh, okay. Any, anyway, so <laughs> he's like one of the main characters. Um, yeah, he's uh, Jamie. I think is super cool. Um, he combines some of the like Baji Kwan kung fu that uh, Yun and Yang do mm-hmm. uh, with. Uh, a bit of like drunken master style and also some break dancing. Uh, he's really neat. I'm very excited for this character in particular. I don't know if you guys heard this, but I read that um, that guy is just Bo Wright Cho after he did the bunch of P90X. Oh, <laughs> you're going to make me hate this character. I'm so sad. That's awesome. If he, if he farts once, I'm done. <laughs> hey, man. It's it, the game's not out yet. We still have yeah. time. Maybe it's like Tattoo Assassins, and there will be a universal fart command. So, do you oh, not like uh, the Oddworld games, then, Nick? Because those have a lot of farting. Uh, it's, it's those have mostly... weaponized farts. In fact, that is fine. I think because the like the whole world is made to be goofy and strange, like that. Um, the world is made of farts. I agree. Yeah, but like Boraicho is the sequel is... to World of Goo both gross and lame in a like the 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 puke and fart stuff in a world in a game series that's all about like the blood and gore uh it just like feels it's funny that in a game that's so uh, gratuitous with the violence that it feels gratuitous to have that that stuff but it just is you like, can rip my kidney out but i swear to god if you burp on me 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's disrespectful, Zach. That's what it is. <laughs> a man can have his spine and skull pulled out in one swift move, but I see one fart. I'm out of there. Yeah. And it's just like the, the tone is is weird. And he's just, yeah, he's, he's a gross boy. He's not cool like Scorpion or whatever. But I mean, it's more realistic, right? You, That's if you true. drink a whole bunch of alcohol, you're going to be pretty gassy. Spoken from the experts here at drinking a bunch <laughs> of alcohol. <laughs> Specifically hoppy alcohol. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but so Street Fighter Six is cool. Uh, definitely not full of burps and farts. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the style looks cool. They they played pretty much the whole track, which is like the the main Street Fighter Six theme, which was and really, really awesome. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hip hop themed, getting back to some of the the hip hop influences in like three in particular. Like I'm reminded a lot of three in a lot of ways. It, it has a lot of Street Fighter three vibes. It's got a, like a graffiti art style. Um, there's even like splashes of color when you do certain super moves or if you're doing counters, uh, which looks amazing. It just looks great yeah. in motion. And I imagine it's, if they're this far along and it looks this good nothing is good. It's just going to be better with time. And yeah. the fact that the engine and the gameplay looks so good, like I'd play it right now if they just worked on characters, it's, oh. it's awesome. I can't wait till June 13th when we actually get like the exhibition. And I'm really hoping it's going to be at Evo. Like there's, it's Ooh. gotta be playable at Evo at some point. Oh, that would be, it has to be, that would be amazing. I, I've been avoiding looking at too much stuff for this because I am just super excited already and I just don't want to get myself too jazzed and then mm. I'll just be sad that it's not coming out sooner. My characters are in it, so I'm I'm okay. I'm, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I feel bad, but I, my, I know my characters are in it, so I, I'm yeah. happier than some who don't have their characters in it. Yeah, so there there are some some leaked things out there. The primary leak thing. In it? That I, no, fucking, I'm out. No, dude, Abel sucks. Neither Abel nor Adon are in it. Um, I mean, I I like Luke, so I can't judge you for liking Abel. No, Luke um, is better than Abel. Abel is just like a slice of white bread standing in the middle of the field while everyone else does circles <laughs> around him. <laughs> I mean, he's French. What do you expect? Did you just <laughs> insult your own character? Oh, oh no! And or an entire country. I don't play him because he's good. I play him because I like characters who grapple, and I don't like Zangief. So it leaves me with limited choices. There are so many others. You can yeah, play Hugo. Hugo. Hugo is yeah. awesome. I don't like him either. Abigail's fine. Abigail's. I don't know who that is. Abigail fine. exists. Uh, Birdie. Laura is a grappler technically laura's yeah. a grappler too you're just making up birdie things now. birdie yeah. Yeah, birdie's birdie. the the pink Dude thing the from Mohawk. super mario bros 2 that shoots eggs out of its mouth nope that's, that's birdo, birdo. <laughs> yeah. not this time zach yeah birdie's the weird british gangster from street fighter one he's part of the mad dogs yeah um yeah so uh like i was uh <laughs> Working on saying um, the the main thing that I've seen that was leaked was the entire roster. The entire launch roster is probably uh, known to to people, um, in, including uh, costume designs for them. And I have looked at it. I won't spoil it for those who uh, don't want any leaks and stuff. But I think uh, they all look great. I think yeah. everything looks great. And uh, yeah, I 
don't necessarily have any characters other than Luke in this roster that I really like from prior games, but I'm willing to explore. And like I said, I think Jamie's super cool. Legitimate question, not being a snarky asshole. Do (laughs) people care about roster leaks? Like, is that a thing that people would get mad about if we just talked about it? I mean, I don't, I don't know the, the, so there's a couple different schools of thought and a couple of them are one, like to kind of echo what Maximilian dude, cause I watch a lot of his stuff, but he put out a video and was like, this sucks for Capcom at some level, because for a fighting game, like you piecemeal the content out to get like people hyped up before the game comes out. Yeah, it's it's a, a a promotional strategy to like slowly talk about more characters and show mm-hmm. them off uh, leading up to the game release. Because like 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 I was talking about, I am super jazzed for this, and uh, and I'm like getting all of that jazzed uh, out of my system right now, and then maybe I won't be as interested in it if I know everything yeah. uh, this far ahead of time. I'll just forget about it. But the people who are going to buy Street Fighter Six are going to buy it whether they know that Blanca's in the game or not, right? Like, it's, they're not going to be yeah. like, whoa, what? Fuck, Ken's not in this. I'm not buying it. They're going to buy it anyway, so... I, I think it's about generating and maintaining a trajectory of interest. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, like, there's a huge spike right now, right? So now they have to continue this and show more and be able to do more, which makes their jobs a lot harder, which takes the focus off of, like the original game like the time that the game would get so i think it's kind of a negative but at the same time that there's this much information about the game at this point and they're like it's 2023 right they haven't settled on a date probably because they're going to be doing a fuck ton of testing a whole lot of like market research like they want to make this thing awesome because and and make it complete yeah, and make and make it complete. Yeah, Street Fighter Four was great, and then we went into the Capcom Dark Ages, where everything they put out just sucked and was like DLC on disc. They're like locking characters, you know, until a year after. With their are their character data is already on the fucking disc that you already bought. Yeah. Um, the same thing happened with Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, and then you know Street Fighter Five was just a fucking horrible game for almost three years. It, it launched with like eight characters. Street Fighter Five yeah. had eight yeah. characters at launch. It just wasn't done. They don't have much history to pull from. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, right? <laughs> you know, and it was just between the beta and the actual release, the game fundamentally changed. Like all the fun things about it, the people that played the beta were like, this is awesome. And then the game that they produced was like, what the fuck is this? It's just this like <laughs> slow, m- neutered experience. Like nobody likes this. And it wasn't until like three years into the game's life cycle that it actually did anything. So yeah, everything that they've showed in like, if they were to release it tomorrow, I would play it and I'd be very happy with it. But yep. um, the fact that it has even more time and they've been thinking about every single thing in the FGC in the last five years is amazing. Well, they did the best thing they could do, which is they fixed the shitty logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The logo <laughs> that helps was too. pretty bad. But it, <laughs> it looks was. like there's kind of going to be this like semi-open world Metro City like story where you can interact with the characters and just kind of like run around. It kind of reminds me of like the... Is it called conquest mode in um, Mortal Kombat where you like run around? 
It has been in the past. Um, it's just the crypt. In, oh, the crypt. Uh, if you're you're probably thinking of the crypt mode from eleven. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Where you get to run around and there's like you know you unlock chests, but there's like story bits and things. Yeah, and you you un- unlock um, doors and and stuff, and you like go around and you find little relics of various characters, mm-hmm. and it's it's like a a world building opportunity that also has gameplay uh relevance for the sake of things like uh because mk11 did this uh mm-hmm. like costume pieces for the various characters and things like yeah. that well it's cool that you get to actually explore metro city like they had a bronze statue of hagar yeah like, <laughs> just like chilling by a fountain of all the places i think metro city is probably one of the more interesting ones that they could have featured as the yeah. the world for this i can't think of anywhere else in particular that is like a centralized location that is important to street fighter and to be fair it's only important to street fighter because it's important to final fight but that's yeah fine. and and so it's, it's going to be cool it looks really like a big avatar type thing and there's going to be like story battles but the fact that they're actually thinking about a story in a fighting game and talking about story and Street Fighter, like I don't think yeah. it was until season four that Street Fighter Five got a story mode that actually had cutscenes and moved yeah. the plot line along. And this is also the first game that takes place after Street Fighter Three Third Strike because that's yeah. the that's the latest game in the series as far as chronological. So there's all aspects, it, which it is looks cool. a little weird because Luke to me looks younger and has fewer tattoos. Yeah, I think it's because they went with the Street Fighter V art style, which is cr- like crazy. Like it was a beta test and they're like, whoa, tone back all the victory V's and uh, eagle wings all over his body and the stars. The stars was the big thing. The stars on his arms, uh, on his forearms were just the dumbest looking thing. Mm-hmm. That's my rant. That's my rant about Street Fighter VI. I'm really, really excited to... Uh, have that launch next year at some point. I can't wait to be peer pressured into buying it. Yeah. You won't be peer pressured. I tell you not to buy something, you fucking buy it. You just do it <laughs> of your own volition. That's true. You did this with Elden Ring. Yeah. Well, um, well, well I, I do think that I'm, it's going to be great. And I'm really, I'm so excited to get in on the launch of a Street Fighter because like I'm basically an O er as far as uh, yeah. oh, fighting sure. games are concerned. Same here. Uh, what does that mean? You told me this before, and I forgot. <laughs> uh, Street Fighter Four came out in two thousand nine and brought like it it made that's fighting right, games right. more accessible. Like it brought a lot of interest. Uh, it's and funny. So... I'm, I'm kind of the reverse. I enjoyed fighting games more when I was younger, and I've gotten out of them mostly. Like I play sometimes with you guys because it's fun, but like my yeah real interest in and like when i played them a lot was around like tekken 3 was when i played a lot (laughs) of fighting games my first fighting game was street fighter 2 turbo on the panasonic 3do that was the first one that i actually like played that was mine that i would play people over and over and over and over again i'm amazed that you're still into fighting games after that (laughs) i mean it was the 3DO ran it great. It would okay. ran it way better than the Super Nintendo could have. You know, that's fair. I yeah. I guess I was just thinking of the 3DO controller not being super hot for that. Yeah, it wasn't great, but also I was 
practically face rolling it with my hands. So that's fair. And I guess that's not totally true about my getting into fighting games because I did play a lot of like Soul Calibur 2 and various PS2 Xbox era games. Soul Calibur 2 is so good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess I just wasn't really thinking about it because it was all just like playing casually with my friends and Street Fighter 4 was the first time I ever played a game online, like played against strangers. Yeah. Mine was Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned on here before, but the the first fighting game that I remember getting like deeply invested in was Killer Instinct. And I played it to the point where I had blisters on my thumbs from playing it because oh, of yeah. the Super Nintendo D-pad just being rigid as fuck and trying to do like quarter circle moves, you're just it just wore on my thumbs. Yeah, that's part of why I invested in a stick was because that was happening to me when I was using a fight pad um, and playing Uh, fighting games more often it's like if i'm gonna do this i need to do something that's not gonna be destructive to my fingers Mm -hmm. yeah so we're we're excited street fighter 6 check out the trailers and stuff um well uh now that you've put up with us rambling about street fighter zach why don't you get into your content for the week i'm very curious (laughs) there's not much it's uh (laughs) from the great gaming week that i had last week i've had maybe an hour and a half to play this past week and it was all yakuza zero so i did continue i didn't stop i think i played one round of vampire survivors but that doesn't count because it was 10 minutes but otherwise it was all yakuza zero uh game is very fun i've been enjoying it a lot i particularly like the uh pocket racing pocket racers mini game what what, i can't (laughs) remember what it's called but i played for probably 45 minutes of just that just sat there and just kept giving them money over and over to play and i thought it was bullshit that if you say i want to play and then you're like oh i'm gonna back out i forgot i'm gonna go the to the guy over there and buy some parts they charge you the next time you go to enter anyway uh, yeah even if you don't race but yeah Terrible. kicking the shit out of all these little kids yeah <laughs> i got more money to spend than they do just a ripped got- man in his 20s like crashing over pocket racers being like suck it to like a sixth grader <laughs> yeah I've got millions of dollars to buy parts. <laughs> I, I think that's my favorite thing about the mini games and side content in the Akaza series is that no matter how like goofy or childish or dumb it is, uh, the main characters uh, like Kiryu in particular always treats it super seriously. Oh, and when so, you like, win a race, he gets so he like holds the car out in front of him like in a victory pose yeah. and he gets super excited. It's great. And, like, you put your heart and soul into every karaoke performance you do. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's awesome. It, it like, maintains that serious uh, sort of tone from the story stuff that's all actually serious. And the juxtaposition of that and what you're actually doing is what makes it uh, hilarious. Yeah. I, I am enjoying it. The one, it's the street fights are a little bit annoying. I will say that's the thing that I've been kind of irritated by yeah. is running around and like three guys bump into you and you, you know, it's not hard. They go down easy and you get money for it, but it's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just want to get to the next story point. Can you fuck off for a second? <laughs> like, I don't want to <laughs> fight you right now. <laughs> I think it's annoying because you get so much more money by playing the mini games than you do from fighting. 
And the yeah. way that you <laughs> unlock your character's progression is use money to buy skill points. So there's yep. no reason for the combat if you're constantly playing mini games, but you're forced into combat. So I can definitely see why that's annoying. You can sprint away from them, but you have limited amount of time that you can sprint for. And so if they catch you, you have to fight them. I did yeah. run into the big dude. The uh, I already forgot his name, but the sh- Mr. Shakedown. Mr. Shakedown. And uh, he scared me and I ran away. I didn't fight him. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I mean, he'll he will absolutely destroy you in until you're probably at least halfway through the game. So. Yeah, I just saw him and he started walking towards me. I, just, I just screeched and ran. <laughs> he just has nope. money above his head, and you're like, yeah, ah, I'm yeah. gonna lose all my money. I had like eight million above his head, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh boy, which you'll a, get if you beat him. But it's a reminder of all the money I've lost. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of a cool arc that you just keep getting shaken down by this guy and then you get to near the end of the game redeem yourself and reclaim your money this impossibly huge hulk of a man like he's yeah. fucking huge. <laughs> he looks like no other character in the game he's yeah. a dnd bugbear in human form <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm i think i'm about seven hours or so in so i think when i last checked in i was about five hours or so so i I haven't played a lot because like i said a lot of it was just doing pocket racers but yeah (laughs) um i do think the story is is still interesting from what i've played it's it's weird because it focuses on uh like a plot of land it's not really a spoiler because it happens in the first hour of the game but i won't say anything further but it it literally all of the story focuses on this plot of land and it's like this is bizarre but yeah surprisingly interesting (laughs) Yeah, property, um, like real estate sales and trading and ownership is kind of a recurring theme for the plots of these games. So Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, in in uh, in the middle of Tokyo, yeah. even a tiny little plot of land is pretty valuable. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Been, that's all I've been playing for the little bit of time I've had. It's very entertaining still. And uh, as I said before, it runs perfectly on the Steam Deck. So I'm very happy that I haven't had a single issue with it running. Like no graphical hiccups, no frame rate drops, it hasn't crashed, no audio glitches. It's just, it literally runs perfect. Nice. That reminds me to go back to it. So I'll have to get it off the shelf and get started again soon. I think I do need to uh, stop playing mini games and just zerg the story, though. Otherwise, because there's like six more of these fucking games that I got to get through. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, seven. If I, get, if I get hooked on Pocket Racers too much, I'm not going to make it to Yakuza Three. Even. Yeah, good thing yeah. there's Pocket Racers in every game. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I hope you don't like Mahjong because if you do, it's I do like take. Mahjong. I'll just avoid that area. I saw it. <laughs> it, it, it I saw so it on much. the map, and I went. I'm, I'll come back to this, and I never yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably for the best. I remember playing, uh, this is a random side tangent, but I remember going to my grandma's house, and she had a better computer than we had at my house, and so when I went there, I'd play games like uh, the previously mentioned Motocross Madness, and I would play like RuneScape and stuff, and I remember oh, yeah. uh, her internet was down one day, and so I could only play things she had installed, and she had the default my uh microsoft games like minesweeper and solitaire but she also uh, had this have mahjong pinball? game no no pinball i don't know why it wasn't on there it oh no been. space cadet pinball that's a shame yeah but she had this mahjong game and that was the first time i ever played it and i just sat there for hours playing mahjong and i just got like <laughs> super hooked on it and ever since then i've really enjoyed it i think it's a super fun game i've never really given it the time to really get used to it 
there's definitely more depth to it than I can comprehend at this moment, but um, it seems cool. Like people who are into it are crazy into it. It has similar addictive <laughs> hooks to me that Solitaire has, where it's it's simple enough to grasp but complex to be good at. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think the crossword is similar to me, where um, especially the, like, I do the New York Times cro- crossword, which has a scale scaling difficulty. Uh, starting Monday is the easiest, and Saturday is the hardest, and then Sunday is a little easier than Saturday, but bigger. Uh, and similarly, like, it's a relatively simple um, concept. Like, you just use the clues to fill in the blanks, but uh, there's a lot of strategy of of how to get good at it like how to diversify your knowledge and uh read the clues for context and um like there's a pretty specific uh like phrasing like language that they use to to show you like the the tense and plurality of the words and uh yeah so there's there's a lot of depth to it and i think if i did that crossword there would be a lot of made-up words in there (laughs) (laughs) You should try the Monday sometime. Um, Monday is nice and easy, uh, but also I guess you have to be subscribed to the New York New York Times, which I am just for the crossword. So uh, I can pirate that shit. I can do it, and uh, <laughs> I can spell words like crayon and pizza. So I think I'll be good on uh, Monday's crossword. The only thing I do daily is Wordle. I got hooked on that. I got introduced to it by coworkers and. I suck at it. I'm really bad at it, but I I rarely fail, but I don't ever get them. Like, I think I most frequently get them in four. And so like, I'm not yeah. particularly good at it, but I also guess poorly. Like I guess things like farts and spork and thong, <laughs> like <laughs> words that it'll never be, but I think uh, it's funny to guess them. Yeah. But because of it, because of the words that are in there, there's like, if you use three different words every time you can, or you can get it by like three or two yeah i try not like you you can have an optimized guess that hits all the common letters and and i i just guess silly things i'm like i'm never gonna get it in the first guess anyway so i might as well guess something stupid like farts like farts exactly i guess that like a week in a row and it was never farts i don't know why (laughs) um well yeah i i do the same word basically every time that uses some pretty common letters um, and some slightly uncommon placements for them just in case. Like it has an S, but not at the end, um, so that you can tell if it if there's an S in it. I don't know. Anyway, there's there's a lot of, of stuff, but I have also consigned myself to probably never getting it in one because I'm not mixing it up. Uh, just start like guessing farts. <laughs> I know, yeah. One day it'll it'll be there. I guessed thong the other day, and it wasn't that either. Oh, uh, what a shame. Uh, I know of only one person who uh, got it in one, uh, and it was somebody who had recently been on a train trip, so they guessed train, and it was train. Oh, lovely. So, so there you go. That's crazy. Yeah, it has. That's. I mean, there's only so many five-letter words. Yeah, which is kind of the the puzzle. Like, that's some of the fun of the strategy of, like, trying to think, like, what the hell word has an O in the middle and then an S somewhere? and Spoon. so on yeah uh yeah, I, I i will guess funky tomorrow Ooh, I'm i like that calling it now i'll guess funky it won't be that Fun. but i'll guess it uh it's too it's too bad cranky 
is uh, too many. Oh, too actually, many letters. no. Dixie. I'm change it. I'm gonna guess drunk. Drunk. <laughs> there, there you go. go. On brand. I love it. And on that note, I will take over. Um, on that that apt description of us, kind of. Um, Speaking of farts. <laughs> Speaking of farts. Wow, farts uh, have been a recurring thing today. Yeah. Unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It was not planned, uh, but I guess they never are. Um, so uh, you you may you may think this to be a particularly farty genre of game, um, but I have been playing an, a, a clicker game, an idle game, uh, a uh, uh, one of the variety of games like Cookie Clicker, where it's basically. It's, it's kind of an RPG, but it's just about, like, setting up a system to do things for you, and it grows in power exponentially, and so on. There have been a lot of these ever since Cookie Clicker, um, and this one is Dungeons & Dragons licensed. It's called Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms, um, oh, and it has wow. a cute little cartoon art style. It has characters from... Uh, from various parts of the D&D lore and also some uh, official like live streams like Force Grey, uh, the Joe Manginello, Devran Wool and so on group um, uh, adventuring party that uh, all of those characters are in this game. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's simple. It's fun. It has a little more depth than these usually do because you um you build a party and you arrange them in a, a formation. And uh, depending on the level you're playing, the the slots, the like placement of the slots in the formation is different. So like uh, on the Sword Coast, it's a diamond or in Tomb of Annihilation, it's a triangle. Uh, and that like you set them up in a formation to buff each other. And it has more depth, but uh, it's still in essence a clicker. And uh, it's mostly just I've wanted to turn my brain off and just watch the numbers go up. So Hey, that can be fun sometimes. I played mm-hmm. Tap Titans for a long time at work. I would just like have it in front of me sitting on my keyboard while I did other things and I would just have it going. And yeah. <laughs> there's some amount of entertainment that comes from just watching your people get stronger without you having to engage with it. Yeah. But eventually I was like, why do I look at this every day? <laughs> I just uninstalled yeah. it. <laughs> that's that's fair. I did I did something similar with uh, a game called Adventure Capitalist. Oh, oh my no, <laughs> Garrett knows what I'm. God, <laughs> Garrett knows what I'm... <laughs> God damn it, Garrett! Go oh ahead. no, I thought I could go the rest of my lifetime without hearing those words in that sequence ever again. Okay, well. <laughs> That's a good one. Somebody if you're started into idle games. talking to me about being going to the moon. Some about angels, and I was yep. like, "Dude, you need to stop. You just need to stop <laughs> playing. Stop so playing." We, we have an acquaintance, a friend from work, old work when we worked together. Who? Oh yeah, he at would, the big electronic store. At the electronic store. Yep. And yeah, the nerd herd. He was yep. <laughs> super hooked on that game, and he came one day and he's like. Telling me about this new computer he bought. It's, it was like twenty five hundred dollars. Had top of the line graphics card and processor and all this shit. And I, I log on to Steam that night, and he's playing Adventure Capitalist again. I'm like, you just spent twenty five hundred dollars to play a fucking game my phone can play. Like, yeah, that's where <laughs> I played it. <laughs> what? Oh my god. Uh, and but Zach, 
that yeah. had to be close to your Diablo three addiction. It was very close. Yeah, it was very close. I actually told Zach. I'm pretty sure I've said this on the show before, so I'm sorry <laughs> if you've heard this. But I had to tell Zach to shut up about Diablo three. And if you know me, <laughs> if you truly know me, you know that that's really hard for me to do. I was like Zach, yeah, shut up about <laughs> shut up about Diablo three, man. Just shut like, up about Diablo three. His text message was the legendary drop thing, and I was just like, turn your fucking phone off. I can't just stop. <laughs> Stop talking about it. Nobody cares. That's how long ago it was. You know that you know this was old when text messages sounds were a thing. Because <laughs> most people have their phones on silent all the time now. Yeah, and like if if you know Garrett, there are two things that he does not do, which is be directly rude to people or <laughs> run out of patience. And so, <laughs> yeah, like both of those things happen in the same. Is like it was a yeah. lot, folks. Yeah. It was a lot. I am a patient yeah. man. Uh-huh, but not for this. It was about a month straight because my addiction wow. was was fairly short-lived. It was about it was. two months. It was. But there was about a month period where I came into work every day and talked about Diablo 3. He would have his build. There was some app, and he had his build, and then he would just, like, theorycraft, uh, like, armor <laughs> sets with people, and I just I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. Wow. That's, that's hilarious. Just push to the brink. It was one of the most addictive I've ever been to a video game. Ever. It was it like was, every was every single day I would play that game for hours. And like, keep yeah. in mind, it's, it's not the most addictive I've ever been to a game. No, Counter-Strike. No, Probably no, World of Warcraft. Nothing will dethrone Counter-Strike in that Oh. Game. Oh, yeah. Okay. But that, I don't, I guess I, I don't know that I classify that as the same kind of addiction. Because that was me... I wanted to be better and get into, like, I wanted to play in higher levels of competitive play. And so that was more practice rather than addiction. Yeah, I, I would say that that's, like, more drive than compulsion. Mm. And to, to me, the addiction quality is compulsion rather than drive. Like, it's a uh, um, an unreasonable interest in doing the thing. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely an addiction component to Counter Strike early on for me because it was it was so much fun. I'd never experienced anything like it. But when I got into the competitive side of the game and started competing in leagues and stuff, then it became the drive to improve. And so it was like all my time was spent practicing and and trying to get better. And so that's why I would I well I played yeah. like eight to ten hours a day at one point. So. That yeah, and there's lot. an intentionality to that that I think is But Diablo different. horribly addicting. That game yep. had its hooks in me like nothing else. It was something about the grind of like, all right, just one more greater rift to see if I get that item is that <laughs> that was ooh, it was bad. That's why I'm that's why I'm scared for Diablo 4. <laughs> My brain doesn't work that way. I went through the story and I went, that was neat, and then I went on to the next thing. I didn't even care about the story. I didn't even care. I went through the story. I was like, I can't. I to this day, I couldn't tell you what the story of Diablo Three was. I don't. Remember. Oh, that's a shame because it's really good, actually. Yeah, I played it three times to level up characters, and I don't remember what it is because I just would skip dialogue. <laughs> yeah, because for me, it was all about the loot. That's all I wanted. Yeah, I I played it a lot a lot more than than just three times. I I think I got almost every class um, leveled to like the the standard cap but before the paragon levels um but uh yeah i enjoyed trying the different classes different builds 
Um, and also just like seeing the story again. It was a fun little roller coaster because it's it's relatively linear. Um, there are some like open spaces with some side stuff you can do, but there it's it's like one of the modern Tomb Raider games in that sense of like you have a little space where you can do a few things and then it tightens up again. Well, Zach and I had a coworker who played that game on launch and he played it so much like every minute that he wasn't working or sleeping, he was playing that game and he justified it because that's when you could actually do the open money auction house through PayPal. And he he was like, dude, I made $700 and I looked at his playtime, and I'm like, you played 700 hours. And he goes, yeah. And I go, you understand that's a dollar an hour. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and I go, you get paid $15 an hour to work at work. And he goes, yeah, but I was playing Diablo. <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> okay. All right, man. There, yeah, there was a number good. of people who, who we worked with who would, like, farm in that game for money. And it was, like, the same conversation with all of them. It was like, you're putting in an extreme amount of time to make, like, it's a good chunk of money, but not for the amount of time you're putting in. And this yeah. was back in the days of retail where at least I can speak for Zach and I at the store that we worked at. Like if you wanted to work more, you could have worked more and yeah. you could have just at any time, like over time, if you wanted the money, you just could like, we had that many yeah. people to just like flex and switch shifts. So at that point in time, no, they didn't want to work so much that they were like, I'm going to spend every minute playing this game just to get legendary items to sell them. <laughs> well, it's like okay, yeah. I'm gonna but Nick before you get into your next topic because it is, your next one's gonna be a little bit long. I do want to just briefly because we're on the topic of Diablo. Diablo Immortal came out, and oh, yeah. I had it pre-registered and I had it checked to to automatically install, and I have oh. not even loaded the game, and I already uninstalled it because I saw all these reports of like how absurdly grindy and yeah. and anti free to play it is like to yeah. get a fully geared out character they were saying it's like over a hundred thousand dollars so i installed it and i played it i wasn't going to talk about it but i i guess i will guy it, it like it's fine like if you just want to play this it's the story between two and three if you care okay and you play it, and you can play through the whole story without having to spend a whole dime, which is about 10 hours per character if you wanted to level up each character. But the number that keeps getting thrown around is people are streamers, people are who just play a game like it comes out and they just play it to the end. It's a live service game. So you get all the way to the end, and to be able to go to the next echelon there is a point at the game where you have to put down real money or you won't get the higher tier of gear. Uh, I think it's like all these like gems that you slot and you Uh, have to spend a hundred dollars to try to get one. You get like 49, but every like 50th you get like a pity one. That's supposed to be like, let's say it's a five star rating between rating three to five. So that, yeah, a lot of games are doing that these days now that it's becoming legally required in a lot of countries to show the odds yeah. for uh, for loot boxes in games. Um, there is typically a pity timer of like one out, like every fifth chest is mm-hmm. guaranteed to have whatever. Do, do we know what when that started? Because I remember the when they introduced that in Hearthstone, because I've, I've been playing that game since it came out and I would Overwatch. open Overwatch. 
so many packs before I would ever get a legendary. Now it's like every five packs I feel like I'm getting a legendary. It's crazy. Uh, Overwatch was part of it, but it was um, uh, Battlefront 2. Hmm. Oh god, that's right. I yeah, forgot that was that, that was that was the, the thing, catalyst. Yeah, that was the thing it, that triggered it. It actually locked things that were on the disc behind loot boxes. Like, man, that game was shit when it came out. Yeah, like they they cut the cost of all the hero characters by seventy five percent across the board, uh, and uh, like shortly after launch, and it was still like a yeah. little much. It was yeah. it was um, terrible. It was terrible for it was, base features of the game. And, but, and it was so it was so bad that it like caused a lot of legal hubbub and uh, other stuff that was already existing in the loot box space like Overwatch yeah. was used as corollary evidence uh, by like some state, I think, sued, um, I want to say Activision over it. Yeah. Um, or EA rather. It, it'd be because EA, it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah it was a lot of countries were like starting to litigate on this stuff and so it was Mm -hmm. something of a self-regulating okay well we've got to do something about loot boxes because so many mobile games are living on this yeah so i mean with diablo immortal you know people will say boycott the game don't play the game which i i get right like blizzard activision right now is not a great company they partnered up with netease you know there's predatory things but at the same time if you are playing this game you're not competing in this game and you're just you're playing it and not spending any money in it and only spending your time in it it's a free to play game you don't have to be the best and have the most legendary gems no one is telling you or forcing you that to do that the the money that (laughs) huh (laughs) <laughs> what the money the money that's being put into the game is people Zach going i, I want to be better at my numbers being higher for no yeah. reason like there's pvp in the game sure but like is there are we talking about the competitive the lucrative competitive world of diablo pvp like even people who are deep into esports don't give a shit about that and diablo has never been about pvp though it's always about right grinding to the highest level that you can get to and like the most perfect gear you can get to. And so if that aspect costs money, that kind of like, you know, yeah, usually it's the trade off is time and time or money. Exactly. Requiring money. And like, if the grind is so bad that, um, that it's like not going to be worth it unless you spend money on it, then I would understand if it was like, spending money makes it more convenient right like that's Mm -hmm. how most free-to-play games are but you can still earn the same gear if you just play a lot but if you Mm -hmm. can't even earn it by playing a lot that's where it becomes problematic yeah and and you know like i said i i agree but if i can go and i can just play the story and that's what i want to get out of that like i'll do that as a free-to-play player and be able to play or even if you know i wanted to play with some friends it'd be very easy to connect together and like do co-op and do dungeons and you know i won't i won't get as much loot but i can still do have the gameplay experience but i understand that i think about arpgs way differently than someone who's really into arpgs (laughs) thinks about them yeah which is about the loot and about the grind and how that would be absolutely atrocious and the thing is, is that people who have that mindset and think about that way about the game, this is 
an atrocity. Like you're not going to be able to And this is predatory to those kinds of people. And, and the thing is, is you're doing it, you're doing the same thing over and over and over, which are the riffs. They just lifted the riffs from three and put them into this, but it's like, you can't get to, you can't get to the number 256 because you don't have the gear to be able to do enough damage to get to level 256. It's the same thing as fucking candy crush or any of these other games that are, primarily single player focused where you are paying money to get to a higher number rather than actually having an effective gameplay or a game breaking experience. You can play that game as much as you want, but the, the fact that you spend money on it just to have a higher number doesn't really, I don't know. I don't have sympathy for people that are (laughs) looking for that and are paying this much money like streamers that are like, Oh yeah, I told, I paid $4,000 guys don't play the game. It's like, <laughs> uh, what? Then why? Yeah. <laughs> what, why? Or we're just testing this to show how bad it is. All right. Yeah, that's a great commercial for the game, guys. In stark contrast to this, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms is actually quite free to play friendly. Um, it's uh, the the way that it functions is there are these chests like there's gems uh, that you can spend money on that you can buy like chests with um that have gear that upgrades the characters like you you have a a loadout of 12 characters um that uh yeah you sequentially are able to hire like you have one at the start and you can level them up and then like they cost exponentially more as you go along the slots um And so you can pay money to get access to characters to swap in that are new options for those slots. Um, And like you can get chests and uh, that will have gear that makes those characters a little bit more effective. Uh, But the all the default characters are actually quite powerful and quite synergistic with each other. Um, And so you're you're not like. It's not like, oh, if you don't buy this one character, you're going to really struggle. Like, you can do really well with just the basic stuff. Um, and it's just basically about accelerating the speed and accelerating, like, how many resets you're going to have to do for each area to to get to the the numbers big enough. You know, it's it's one of those things. But it uh, it is extremely free-to-play friendly, I would say, compared to any of these games that I have played before. Uh, anyway, now that now that that's over with, I don't know if you had anything more to say about this, but if you want to try it, try it. It's a free to play game with microtransactions, uh, just like Fort, just like Fortnite. You don't have to spend money in it unless you want to. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'll I'll also say though I'm playing it on Switch and the frame rate is atrocious. I don't know if it's just because it's like having to do all these huge number calculations. Um, as the numbers get ex- exponentially bigger, but it often drops into like single digits, um, which is really frustrating. But also, it's a game that doesn't require a lot of specific moment-to-moment input, so it's not bothering that me that much. But if you can say play it on a PC or a Steam Deck that's more powerful than a Switch, uh, you should probably do that. Hmm. Um, and I I had a, another thing I was going to talk about, but blabbed long enough about this thing uh that i will just cover it later but um uh the the gist of it is that one of my favorite uh video game covering sites giant bomb has just undergone significant restructuring um i may i may talk about it in another uh 
another episode if something big comes comes out of it or if i like keep watching their stuff and have things to say but uh they're kind of they're the the final founding member jeff gerstman has left uh but they have replaced him with uh or he has been replaced as creative director of giant bomb basically editor-in-chief uh with dan reichert who was there for a long time and i think really embodies the spirit of giant bomb so um they did a shorter bomb cast uh today about the changes to their structure and i'm actually feeling really positive about about the future of that site and i'm kind of excited to to go back to watching them and didn't gershman make a podcast like start a podcast today he did. Yeah. yeah. So he started his own Patreon. He's going to be doing his own podcast. And a lot of the stuff that like it felt like there was kind of a generational shift. Uh, and uh, a lot of the stuff that I liked most of his was like his uh, retro game streams where he'd like show off a new Mr. Core and play a bunch of like weird random 32X games because they just added 32X compatibility to the Mr. Um the the fpga emulation device Mm -hmm. uh and just stuff that like he is one of the sort of foundational people in games media coverage in general and so uh he has a lot of insights about a lot of games from a long time ago uh and so it's just cool to watch him play stuff from before i was alive uh and talk about it and what makes it interesting so uh i'm excited for that too just like next lander i think that they're they're carving out he's carving out his own niche um separate from the corporate ownership of giant bomb these days um but i think that's that's good for both parties and i'm actually pretty happy and optimistic for the way that giant bomb's heading uh with the people who are involved in the renewed focus on a tighter core group rather than uh, a broader group of freelancers who have individual things they do on the site. Um, yeah. And, and just, just Dan being in charge is like the main thing is that he is goofy and, uh, and fun and has fun ideas in the way that I love about giant bomb. And that might be, we were talking in our chat about how, I don't find video game websites to be all that engaging these days, mostly because the personalities are not interesting and that could come from them being mostly freelancers. And so the shift away from that and having them be actual participants frequently, for lack of a better term, could lead to a scenario where I am invested again. And so... Yeah, it's that parasocial relationship where like the more the more you are, the more frequently you see someone, the more you feel like you are starting to get to know them and start to feel more attached to them and like get to understand their tastes. And uh, like I've I've had occasions where uh, I'll watch somebody like Matt McMuscles or Maximilian so much that I start to unthinkingly emulate their mannerisms. Um, <laughs> which is just kind of funny um but but yeah you you get that sort of connection and that that i think like giant bomb was definitely ahead of the curve with understanding that that is a pretty powerful thing in games media and we're doing more personality focused content with quick looks where they're not just showing footage they're talking over it and talking about it and talking about 
random nonsense if the game isn't holding their attention or whatever. Um, and uh, it's it's stuff that basically everybody's doing these days because it's 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 how you differentiate yourself uh, is by having a personality that people get attached to. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm I've keep forgetting to cancel my auto renew subscription to Giant Bomb, so I'm still a premium member. So I'll uh, <laughs> I'll be logging back in and checking it out and seeing what I missed. You'll have to update us and let us know how the changes are affecting Giant Bomb. Yeah, I I will. I'm um they they also so they have a a core group of nine people um that is also much more diverse than it's ever been. There are uh, women and non-white folks on the core staff uh, for uh, well, they they hired a woman not that long ago, um, like when uh, a couple years ago, I think, near the start of the pandemic, and so and that was the first female employee of the site uh, as far as the like personalities go. Um, but uh, it's it's nice that there there's a more diversity of perspectives, but also everyone feels like they are in the same boat and with with the same vibe that giant bomb has always had and yeah yeah it's it's exciting i'm excited for it but uh you should check out giant bomb see what you think of their new direction and i will be doing the same um and for now back to our own show uh, <laughs> we we have a question uh, of the episode that we always feature um you can submit a question too if you like you can send us an email at cohopspodcast at gmail.com or you can uh send us a message on any of the various social media accounts we have we are on twitter facebook instagram and twitch at cohopspodcast um and uh zach you pulled today's question so why don't you read it out to us yeah so today's question comes from aubrey and this is a fun one i think for me particularly but i'm really interested to hear what garrett and nick have to say (laughs) yeah and uh aubrey says that he just got his first genesis and super nintendo what are the do's and don'ts when you're looking to get into the retro market and what are certain things you should keep an eye out for. And I figure since I probably have the most to say on this topic, I'll go last. Okay. Yeah. That's that's fair because you'll probably have the most like actual real insight to I, share. I volunteer for the middle. <laughs> All right, Nick. That leaves you to start us off. You know, that's that's fine. Um so first off, congratulations. I think it's really cool to have old hardware in particular uh there's something really interesting about product design of bygone eras and the way that things have changed um uh and i think my biggest advice for getting into retro gamings is knowing or retro gaming and collecting retro games is knowing your priorities where like garrett and i are in in similar similar boats this way where we have particular franchises that we care a lot about and yeah. collect. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Garrett, it's Monster Hunter. For me, it's Fire Emblem. Uh, and we like go out of our way to have the everything that we can, and will will pay if we can uh, afford it for the um, the the nice things, the collector's editions, and so on. Um, but that's because we care about those things and it's not just because well i feel like i have to have samson is that the game the Little super samson. rare game 
Little Samson for, oh, for NES that is only valuable because it's rare. Um, and like, that's, that's interesting. It's also and if you're good. Int- oh, is that true? It is. Yeah. It's actually a really good game. Okay. So it's like Jack Bros where it's actually good rather than. No, it doesn't melt your eyeballs. Yeah. It's good and rare. So, which is a bad combination. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there, there is a lot of stuff that is not good and is rare, but, uh, and if you're into that, that's great. If you want to have the complete collection and if you want to have the really rare things, um, then cool, but know that going into it. And if you're just looking to play old games, there are a lot of more cost-effective ways to go about that. Much um, more. Yeah, like a lot of retro collections and there's stuff like the Mister, which will set you back a decent amount um, as the, you're building the mini it. mini consoles. The mini consoles, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the Mister in particular is exceptional because being FPGA based, it will be adaptable to just about anything, any kind of um, th- hardware that it could emulate, and it will be perfect emulation of that that hardware. So um, like if you're just looking to play the games, collecting them physically is not the thing to do. But I think there's something uh, really kind of fun about going back and having the old cartridge and the old system and plugging it in and having that that experience from a <laughs> you have teleported in from a bygone era mm-hmm. um, it's really fun to sit there and try to get your nes to work and register the cartridge for the 16th <laughs> time that you've blown yeah. into it when you're not supposed to blow into it and slammed it down and you're uh, streaming on twitch and everyone's like god damn just play the fucking game already <laughs> I don't have any experience with this, I promise. Nope. Uh-huh. No. no, not at all. Uh, yeah, reliability is also an issue. So, uh, like, for me, at least, I collect... The older games I collect are mostly for display. I have a really beautiful... I guess it's not that beautiful. It's not. It's a little bit beaten up, but um, Final Fantasy VI for the Super Famicom. I have a Japanese copy of that uh, complete in box sitting on my shelf and i really like it the box art's really pretty i love that game um and it just sits there i'm never gonna play it and it was not very expensive and like that was worth it to me so i guess just know what's worth it to you and plan that going into it yeah i good advice i agree with that exactly um yeah i I don't have anything else really to add. I, I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> that, no, that's that's perfect because it's it's no know what you want. Like, you know, it's really important to decide what you like about it. Uh, you know, if it's hey, I want to collect every single console, or you know, you have some type of goal, and mm-hmm. and goal sounds way too structured, but something that makes you happy to be able to display or talk about or learn about. Um, from being in it so find what interests you you know within that <laughs> that interest in and of itself of retro gaming is pretty large but find what interests you and do a deep dive on it like become an expert on it you know understand what it is and and be proud of it and show it off i mean until just recently i haven't really had a a space to show off things and as we start doing more streaming you'll be able to see it but in I'm fortunate enough to own a house and I have my office room now to myself and I have shelves with my comic books, my video games, and then like an entire shelf behind me. I'm pointing. I don't know why I'm pointing, but I have a whole (laughs) shelf of like 
Dragon Ball games and Dragon Ball figures and like Dragon Ball Z manga or manga from like volume one through 26. It's all sitting on my shelf. And anybody who comes up here, like I can go and be like, yeah, this is something that I'm really into. Here's all this information about it. Like it, it makes me super happy. Um, yeah, that's that's my rationale for for purchasing like old things, you know, is to either remind you of something or that you're passionate about like a specific thing about it. Yeah, like it, it it's something that makes you happy. And also um, this is a similar thing for books like your shelves say something about you uh, and your values and what you're interested in. And so I think I think there's some power Muscly in that. men who uh, have superpowers. Brr. <laughs> yeah muscly men who are bad fathers <laughs> yeah pretty uh, much <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> um yeah so it's it's cool there are a lot of different reasons to get into it but know your reasons and uh and make sure to do your research to make sure that there isn't a better way to pursue whatever goal you have something like the mister if you're just looking for accurate representations of old games um and don't care about like the rarity or having the physical thing um so on so forth those are those are good pieces of advice i would i would definitely listen to those <laughs> and then he goes don't listen to me this is as the cautionary tale <laughs> as the collector in this group uh nick and garrett are they're the they're the Taco Bell mild sauce of collectors. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're we're the voice of reason, uh-huh. and here's Zach the Devil on your shoulder telling you how to really do it. No, what this is what you should do. you should <laughs> learn from my mistakes, really. So, I think what Nick said about find your focus that is hugely important because when I started collecting games, it was I'm going to buy anything and everything. I just want a big collection of games. And I ended up with a lot of shitty fucking games that I'll never play mm-hmm. that take up space and I don't want to display them because they're shitty games. And so, <laughs> come on, you want to, com- you want to share your complete collection of the LJN produced games. <laughs> I don't have it yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> oh, you know, that is a hilarious thing to do as a goof that now I kind of want to do. I, I probably have most of them for the NES at least. I, sh- I should don't look, admit I should that. This is going on the internet, Zach. Don't admit let, that. Let me no no. Let so, me make a satanic LJN shrine. So here's the thing: unless it, the only time that you should buy shit games is if you are going for a complete set of something. Yeah, Whether like I have be, really shitty Dragon Ball games. Exactly. If you're going for all the Dragon Ball games, or you're going for all the Beyblade games, I don't know. Then you're going to end up with shit uh, games. Do you but, have Ultimate Battle 22 I, or 27? That's one of the ones I need. No, that's uh, one of the ones I need. I'm just going to give it to you, Garrett. I don't want yes. it. All right, sweet. Great. It's I, trash. I it's awesome. I have no desire to own this game anymore. You can have it. <laughs> have it on my desk by Monday. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, so if you're if you're going for a complete set of something, whether that be a series or a console or something along those lines, you're going to end up with bad games. Like if you're like, I want every Wii game, you're going to have like a thousand shitty shovelware games. Oh yeah. A, a bunch of like party games, carnival games type stuff. That's just like low minimum effort. When I recorded and I was a guest on, <laughs> on the <Wii laughs> universe, the ultra 64 guys, Steve and Woody, I was just sitting there in Steve's apartment, like looking at all of the Wii <laughs> games and like just getting sad. I'm like, Oh, you gotta play 
that's a lot of shit you got to play. That's a (laughs) lot of just horrible experiences that you have to put into a console and play and then talk about. I feel so And like find something, find something interesting to talk about. Yeah. I had a similar experience. I like saw the, the vastness of the void uh, of awful uh, Wii U games and it sort of horrified me. And so I looked away and I like, I, I tried to refocus my mind on like what are the cool ones? What are the ones that I mm-hmm. I should I could say? Ooh, that's cool. I'm I'm glad that you have that. I see Mario Kart Eight in there. Oh yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's probably like four percent of the games that were there were oh, ones man. that spark joy in me at least. It was amazing. And three of them were Zelda games. I got them <laughs> to think about Monster Hunter and put it in like the forties. So. I mean, hey. that's not bad. That's not bad. Progress. That's progress. <laughs> but yeah, so for me personally, like I have a desire. I will never likely complete this unless uh, my wife has a stroke and allows me to spend ten thousand dollars on a game. But I have a desire <laughs> to to buy and own all of the NES games, and oh so like God. I'm getting a lot of shitty games because of that. But the, the only possibility is the life insurance. <laughs> yeah pretty much but i i also have no delusions that i'll never complete it but also like i mentioned on here before like i collect virtual boy games and like i have a desire to own them all and they're all shitty pretty much and so it's <laughs> like in that scenario you will end up with bad games but otherwise a trap i fell into was buying bad games just because they were cheap and i wanted yeah. to buy them yeah and so i would say don't do that <laughs> buy Buy games that are good and that you, even if you're not going to play them, games that are good will at least hold or increase in value. And games that are bad, there are exceptions, but (laughs) they, uh, unless they're rare, they will not typically go up in value. And, and, and like, I guess uh, look for things that are good or at least interesting because there are bad games out there that are interesting for one reason or another. Um, and some of those I'm I'm curious about. I I'm a big fan of bad movies because they are they tend to be particularly interesting, and because they don't have the gameplay element that like a lot of bad games are bad because they're not fun because they just feel bad to play. And a bad movie you can sit sitting and watching a movie is a similar experience unless it's something like Birdemic that like might hurt <laughs> oh your ears. My God. Uh, like you're not gonna have a demonstrably different experience sitting and watching um a movie whether it's amazing or terrible uh as far as your participation in it it's just a matter of of like the the quality of the product uh and i think there's a lot of interesting there's a lot of interesting stuff to think about when you look at something bad and think about why it's bad uh and unfortunately a lot of bad games it's just not that interesting. It's just they didn't have the time or they didn't care. Like it was a licensed game and they didn't have the time or the the care to to make it amazing because they knew people would buy it based on the license and not whether it's good or not. So, yeah. Um, so I, I think there's <laughs> I've been looking for some really trash fighting games uh, to collect for a while now just because I want to see. There's uh, a lot. I can give you. So yeah, there's many. There's so many like Criticom, the is the one that I've been looking out for. Oh. Um, other stuff like that, because I just want to know. I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. So, yeah. There so, you go. 
my next piece of advice for you when we're talking about the do's and don'ts, the do's are look up. This is something that helped me find games I'd never heard of that were also uh, really good was look up like best games of like top 25 games of whatever console you particularly like collecting for. And there's surely going to be things you've heard of, but there's also going to be things you haven't. And that's how I found a lot of games that ended up becoming some of my favorites. And I, I sought those out and collected them and I made it like a goal, like, Oh, I want to own all of these games, for example, for like, I want to own all the top 25 Game Boy Advance games. And yeah, so, like if you find a list that you like or from a person whose opinion you trust, yep. uh, like Jeremy Parrish, we've talked about, has a fantastic YouTube channel that does a great job of cataloging NES games in particular and Game Boy games in particular, but uh, a lot of retro games of that sort of uh, late 80s, early 90s era. Um, and so he's a great resource for like try, trying to trying to think ins- of the right inspiration word. Inspiration for collecting. Um, educated opinions there you go. about about these things and yeah inspiration exactly um yeah I'll, I'll i'll let let you get back to your point but i wholeheartedly agree that like research is very useful for this stuff because you weren't there so you're not gonna know what those um like what all the games available for that system were and so you're gonna miss things unless you look for help yeah like I, for example, like I played Game Boy Advance games a lot. Like I was in that world, and I bought a lot of games. But I also didn't have, you know, a job because I was eleven. And <laughs> Same. So I was reliant on my parents and my grandparents to buy me games, and that meant that I missed out on a lot of things. And so looking through lists, um, I use the Game Boy Advance as a as a example because that's one that I have looked into a lot. Because it's one of my favorite systems to play. And there was like 10, 15 games I'd never even heard of that were in these lists. And so yeah. I added them and acquired them and played them. And a lot of them are really, really good. Yeah, stuff like Drill Dozer that you've maybe never heard of but is amazing. Yeah, that's that's one example for sure. Uh, some of them are obviously very expensive and priced way out of my range. But they're... That leads me to another do, which you guys may be surprised that this is a do for me. But... Mm-hmm. I think reproduction cartridges are fine. And the reason is that I, I my enjoyment comes from playing it on the original hardware. And if, like Nick said, all you want to do is play the game, but if you're a weirdo like me and you don't want to emulate it, a reproduction cartridge is great. Yeah, it's a nice middle ground. And especially for stuff like, um, like Mother 3 that never got officially translated, yep. repro carts are really cool i've thought about um uh getting repro carts of like thracia 776 or genealogy of the holy war like some of the fire emblem games that never made it to the u.s that i'm kind of curious about it's great for games that never became officially translated but it's also great for games that are very expensive i think of things like uh pokemon fire red for example, which is like an $80 game and you can get a repro cart for like 10 bucks, right? So yep. it's like the cost matters if all you want to do is play it. But if you want to yeah. own it, that comes into what are certain things you should keep an eye out for. Reproductions are rampant. And yes. you need to know keep what to look for. for. <laughs> you, yeah. you need yeah. to know what to look for and you need to know how to <laughs> identify it just from pictures. 
the best piece of advice I can give you if you're buying local is go on Amazon and buy, uh, gosh, what's it called? It's like a retro game bit, and it slots into your screwdriver and allows you to open up most cartridges so that you can verify that it's real. And this is important even if you're buying at a store because not all stores will check their games because yeah. there are fakes that look really, really close. And the only way to tell is to look at the board. I think that I may have bought, uh, I, I think I may have gotten it at a store. It's possible that I got it from like a seller at a convention like SoccerCon. Um, but I recall it's, I think, Final Fantasy IV Advance that I accidentally got a repro copy of or a fake copy of um, and then uh, sold to you. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, this is it was one six. of these yeah oh yeah um one of these copies is not real like oh well i think that was mine (laughs) and i didn't ever know that it was not real i didn't buy it as a repro cart i just bought it as final fantasy 6 advance yeah if you're not careful it's very easy specifically pokemon games are notoriously bad for being reproed um specifically the game boy advance ones but the game boy and game boy color ones uh, and also the DS ones, not the 3DS, but regular DS ones are yeah. also highly reproduced. And so know what to look for. Because it's a lot easier to f- to generate repro carts of those formats. Like cartridges are kind of expensive to make, mm-hmm. um, especially because of the copy protection stuff that's in them um, that makes them proprietary. But like DS and GBA have been cracked to the point where it's very easy to make yeah. a functional repro. So yeah, know what to look for. I would do some research. Know, like, bookmark some resources on specific boards and how they look so that you can Mm -hmm. reference them. Don't get scammed. Don't get scammed. That's the (laughs) biggest thing for my what to keep an eye out for. Um, I've bought reproduction cartridges on accident. I bought a a reproduction card of Metroid Fusion on accident and paid full price for it, which was really sad. So uh, don't, don't have that happen to you. And my last do uh these two will probably roll their eyes at me but uh (laughs) invest in a crt it doesn't have to be a high super high-end one like a pvm or bvm but just a crt if you are playing a console that was designed during that era it is noticeably better looking and performing to play those old consoles on a crt tv oh yeah yeah i'm i'm totally on board with that um especially if you're playing like rhythm games or other things that are super timing focused like um punch out nes punch out drastically different on a crt oh yeah uh uh, because it's so specifically timing focused um definitely if you're going to use original hardware you should definitely do that i'm someone who's less interested in doing that i'm happy to play like a, a collection like the capcom fighters collection that's coming out soon I just want to play the game, so it's like it's fine. And if I'm collecting a game, I probably don't care about playing it. Yeah, but so. we get the nice modern patch version in the collection. We don't get <laughs> the jank version. Yeah, we don't get the version of Darkstalkers where, under very specific sh- circumstances, Felicia will just sit on the mummy's head and the game softlocks. So my my. <laughs> That's a very specific thing that they patched out of the version of Darkstalkers in that upcoming collection. Sorry about the deep cut. (laughs) Along with the better performance of the... I mean, if you're playing it in a collection, you're not going to have this issue. But if you're hooking up like a Super Nintendo to an LCD or LED TV, you're going to have input delay. And it's inevitable just the way that the signals work. 
Yeah, I guess it's worth saying that that's the reason you should get an, a CRT TV. I was just saying, oh, it makes a difference for time in games. It's like, yeah, because there's input delay to modern TVs. Yeah, and you there are options. Like, you can invest in something like a FrameMeister that oh, yeah. is designed to resolve this issue. But they're, the other thing that business. you... Well, whatever solution exists now. I don't know what they are, but... Oh, <laughs> yeah. The other... It's the Kleenex of, <laughs> of uh, frame... Uh, data or whatever, whatever they're called. Because isn't isn't that if FPGA based also? The I have frame no idea. I never looked I into know. one because I didn't need one. But there you go. The other thing that a CRT offers is that these graphics were designed with scan lines in mind, and they look better on a old TV for a lot of games. And I recommend. I'm not yeah. going to harp on this too hard, but go to Twitter and go to at CRT pixels and just look at the screenshots they post and you will see there there's a noticeable difference because these games were designed with that technology in mind and the graphics look better. Yeah. And so that's, that's all I got. I can, I got a lot more, but I won't go into any more. <laughs> have fun, have fun with it. I would say that's my, my biggest thing is have fun with it. Collecting games yeah. is really fun for me personally. Yeah. Find the things that spark joy. Yes. Have yeah. a focused, collection of things you enjoy and things you want to collect like nick said have a plan or like nick and garrett said both have a plan and it doesn't have to be super structured but don't just buy everything because it exists because (laughs) yeah then you're gonna end up like me and you're gonna have a storage full of shit that you don't want and you're like god i need to get rid of a lot of this stuff yeah um yeah and like i i have some some stuff that i've collected that is outside the purview of these specific goals i had in mind but is stuff that i just thought was really exciting like the physical collector's edition of transistor i had an opportunity to buy from a friend of zach's uh and that is super cool i love super giant games and i like transistor um as one of the games that they have made and so having that is exciting and every time i look at it it makes me happy and like that's the kind of thing like collecting i think a lot of people see as just meaningless expenditure that you just buy something to have it sit on the shelf but that has value in its in and of itself like i'm happy and proud of the collection that i've maintained when i look at it and that's that's enough for me so my my mindset is also always that Typically, the things that I spend money on will not go down in value. So that is at least not a waste of money because I can resell it if need be. That is not always the case. For example, uh, I think we mentioned on here before that I bought Fire Emblem Path of Radiance in the middle of COVID, which was the worst time to buy it because it (laughs) worth less than I paid for it. But that's fine. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. COVID had a weird uh effect on retro game pricing where everyone suddenly had a lot of time to pursue and free money (laughs) and yeah that's true to pursue random stuff um and so it caused a bit of a bubble so you're probably fine to buy stuff now but yeah unfortunately (laughs) those are the exceptions though yeah yeah well wonderful that's some great advice to get started and some resources to check out to help you along along the way um and uh with that i'll get to the the final check-in for the beer how did everybody like it i liked it a lot i think it was really good absolutely delicious i'm sorry i'm very sad that it's a not only seasonal but also a collab beer that doesn't come around that often 
Yeah, I I will definitely look for more because it, it was very good and it was unique. Like, we've had a lot of uninteresting beers recently. Um, and it also has, like, really beautiful lacing. Um, that's something that I don't tend to notice, but mm. uh, on my glass, at least, it's it's very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. I also don't ever pay attention to that, but it dev- it has some that has stuck around. Like I finished mine quite a while ago, and it's still there's still the lacing on the on the glass. Yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, so definitely uh, look for this: the Ecliptic and Wayfinder Cosmic Collaboration Cold IPA 2022. Uh, you will definitely uh, notice the can art. It will catch your eyes. With its eyes, it'll just stare <laughs> you down and tell you to buy it. It will, and you because should. It looks like eyes of one face, but it's actually eyes of two heads. Astronaut heads. It is. The yeah, they're similarly colored, but they are also looking in different directions. So it looks like crazy eyes. It's great. Um, yeah, so wonderful. Look for that uh, if you are in a part of the world, basically the Pacific Northwest, where you can find it. Uh, you can find us on twitter facebook instagram and twitch at cohops podcast like we mentioned before uh as well as our gmail uh cohops podcast at gmail.com same as same as i mentioned uh when we got into our questions uh, but if we want to find people in particular on the internet where can we find you zach nowhere i don't exist nope you are off the digiverse <laughs> off the grid a meat popsicle <laughs> <laughs> when you said digiverse i don't know why the first thing that popped in my head was digimon world <laughs> for, yeah do you ever play that game Super uh, side tangent no i don't think so it made me think of uh mega man battle network i never played that game i always I wanted to they're good I never, I never got it but uh one step from eden is basically a fan game of those games so if you're interested in that, okay. those tactics without the world check it out I'll check it out. All, all I remember from Digimon World it was that uh, your Digimons could poop. lost <laughs> <laughs> me. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Literally all I remember. Played the game as a kid. Can't remember anything except for they could shit. Shit on the floor. Anyway. Uh, speaking of shit, uh, you can read my shit at uh, <laughs> Zach has no pants on Twitter. Nice. And how about you, Garrett? Uh, you can see me retweeting our episodes uh, at gmate16 <laughs> on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and you can find me trying not to get sucked into the meaningless void of uh, hot takes and emotional nonsense on Twitter uh, at nprinzing or sharing photos of my miniatures on uh, Instagram at nicholas.prinzing. Uh, thank you for checking out our episode. Uh, thanks for sticking with us and have a great week. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Or good day or good morning. Whenever you're listening to this, I don't whatever know. time of day you may be you're experiencing. your own boss. Some of Make you, it a good one. Let's be honest. Some of you are not your own boss. You have <laughs> you have a you have an actual boss. But just enjoy this episode. Maybe don't tell your boss about it. Yeah, <laughs> listen at work, or, or do make the boss uh, pay for listening to us. May, maybe your boss will like the show, so maybe you should tell them. Use your best judgment. Our oh. our new show title is called Indecisive because we're going to give you. <laughs> 
three vastly different opinions for you to be more indecisive about. The the more we drink, the less we're capable of making decisions. Sp- speaking of bosses, I got a new uh, job recently. For those who don't know, and my boss, I was we were doing a virtual call, and I had my headphones on that I use for editing, and I mentioned that I use them for editing, and and she asked, "What do you edit?" And I said, "Oh, just my podcast when I have time." No, and she goes, "Oh, you have podcasts?" I said, "I'm not going to tell you what it is." <laughs> 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 it's like I. I don't need you, like, I've known you for three weeks. I don't need you to judge me this hardly yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, especially since there are a few a few episodes where we talk about you shitting. <laughs> in the first, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Maybe six months in, I'll let you know what it's about. But oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, and then you have it. to find it yourself. Yeah. yeah. Then, then, it, uh, then it will be, like, the next week. Uh, uh, so I'm looking for a new job. <laughs> uh delightful well tell your boss or don't or whatever have a good one